From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Last day of the month, Monday, July 31, 2023, on the calendar, Andy Crash Coddell. And we got a meaty show for you today. We promoted it on our Facebook page. I was very blessed and impressed with uh, all the shares. So a lot of folks are waiting for our uh, a brand new guest here on Center for the Truth. I want to share some uh, scriptures that uh, you need to keep in mind today from Psalm ten three. For they brag about their evil desires, they praise the greedy and curse the Lord. Psalm ten four: The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Verse 11, the wicked think God isn't watching us. He has closed his eyes and won't see what we do. 13, what do the wicked get away with despising God? They think God will never call us to account. In verse 17, Lord, you know the the hopes of the helpless. Surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. In Exodus 35, 31, and 32 and 35, and he filled... He filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen or by a weaver by any sort of workman or skilled designer. And also I'd like to share Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful day here. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for your divine appointments, helping us focus on what really, really matters, your truth. And as things appear to be getting worse, they are falling into place, just as your word promises. You are always with us, and you will not forsake us. I want to pray over our guest, Sean, and uh, his ministry, his, uh, his ventures, his travels, his family, your uh, divine protection over them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Well, I'm very excited. Been working on this for months, and we finally, because the schedule made it, we're able to make work this work uh, work out. Sean Patrick Terriel is a father, husband, entrepreneur, seed stage investor, author, community organizer, and Christ-loving patriot seeking and sharing truth and love. After 15 years as an entrepreneur and executive for various high-tech companies in Silicon Valley, Sean has dedicated the last few years of his life building infrastructure companies and networks that will ensure that those who stand behind their Christian, conservative, and constitutional values are not canceled from doing business online. One of his current ventures, Mark37.com, Mark37.com, is the home of the Ghost Phone, Ghost Laptop, which... Uh, afford customers the ability to remove themselves entirely from the Google, Apple, and Microsoft ecosystems and surveillance systems. Sean, welcome to your first appearance on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate you actually mentioning that the business is a ministry because it truly is that. I was, I was so blessed early on in my life, around age 19, to uh, when I was working and going to school in the Bay Area, have met a pastor who wrote a book called Anointed for Business, narrowed and, and helped 
me really focus on the reality that we can be pastors in the marketplace. You don't have to be a pastor of a church, but you can be a pastor within a business. Or it is the mission no field. What your role is right. It is the mission field. And a little yeah. background: how I uh, found Sean was we were having some uh, issues with our Stand for the Truth website, also Q90 FM, months ago and years ago. You might remember this. And looking for a web host that would even take our content because of the truth that we share on that, and uh, through some friendships that I've made through the uh, True Social app, truesocial.com. Some of the architects out there had some meetings, and they introduced me to a guy named Aaron, American Cloud, who is now hosting com and Q90FM.com. And even in my conversations with Aaron, he said, uh, you need to meet Sean Terrio. He's, I think he put it, he's the smartest guy I know on the planet. How do you, am I saying your last name right, Terrio or Tario? Tario, it's funny you mentioned because I was just actually doing some ancestry uh, research, genealogy research, and uh, you know the name is spelled T A R I O, but if you do the research, it goes back to France, and it was spelled T H E R I A U L T, so it's French. Oh, French, French Canadian. Tario, Tario, tomato, tomato. All right, this, really. I want to respect Sean Patrick. When did you realize that things were not right in the world? Well, thankfully, I had a father uh, who at age 14, well, first I had a, a parent who, you know, raised me to know Christ and to love Christ uh, and to really seek seek truth. And uh, at age 14, I vividly remember my dad sat me down and made me watch, at the time it was a VHS series, it was like a cassette VHS series on the creature from Jekyll Island, which really taught me money and what is money what what is value um how money has evolved over time and currency how currency has been used and leveraged over the years uh, and that really got me questioning everything and you know my dad he was a, a manager of broker dealer clearing divisions for the different trading companies and he had his own firm actually at the time for a long time so i would go down to the exchanges and my dad would look you know point out everything going on and the activity on the trading floors and all these guys and, and some women who were throwing hand signals at each other, doing the buys and sells of different stocks and whatnot. He said, look, all this is legal gambling. <laughs> and <laughs> it if is, you're not yeah. the house, you're, you're not going to win. And he said, you really just need to follow the money, Sean. And he really just repeated that over and over to, to me over the years is follow the money, learn who has the money, who has the power and control and influence within a business. Uh, and then learn what the ethos is of those people that have that power and control. And you can really understand how they're going to act uh, and react and operate within the marketplace and in, in general. And so that got me down the rabbit hole at a very young age of trying to figure out what the heck was really going on in the world. Uh, and I can tell you 9-11 was very influ influential for me. You know, being told repeatedly not to believe your own eyes as I'm watching the controlled demolition of the twin towers. And I was talking to the friends around me and I was like, this is a controlled demolition. How are you not seeing this as a controlled demolition? We're like, well, that's not what the media is saying. Well, that's not what the news is saying. I was like, but are you not believing your own eyes? I was like, we have a, a gajillion cameras around the Pentagon and they're telling us the only, the only thing that we can see are these frame by frame clips of like nothing really that proves nothing saying that a, an airplane hit the Pentagon building and the FBI is claiming that they picked up a passport that had some burn marks on it from, you know, one of the alleged 
hijackers of the airplane that crashed in one of the towers. It's like, did you not see the explosion that apparently went off? Like, how in the world is the passport just going to fling itself out of the building, out of the floor? Like, none of this adds up. None of this makes any sense. And they're like, Terrio, you're crazy. You know, you're a conspiracy theorist. And I was like, no, guys, it's not me. I think you're all just brainwashed. So, anyway, long story short, I've I've been, you know, a conspiracy theorist and considered crazy for a long time. Um, But as it relates to technology, you know, working in Silicon Valley directly, my whole career, really, um, and constantly asking questions, uh, learning who has the money, who has the influence and control, um, specifically targeting as it relates to that, the venture capital firms and the private equity firms that were backing a lot of the Silicon Valley companies that ended up blowing up to become huge companies and realizing that if, as you follow the money, it's really the same group of people that have the same ethos, uh, which is a globalist communist ethos that is funding and starting these companies. And I, I had a handful of friends that were entrepreneurs and they accepted, you know, the venture capital funding and money. And then as their business started doing well, the board and the venture capital firms that they took money from started making, you know, demands on them to do certain things and take certain stances publicly. And they're like, I just, I don't believe this, but that's, I, I can't, I can't get behind this. And they are basically given an ultimatum. Look, you either play along and get along or we're not going to fund you any further. We're going to bankrupt your business or we're going to remove you as the CEO. And some, you know, took the money and just cashed out and left and walked away to start a new venture. But nearly all of them will tell you that if they could do it over again, they would not have sold their soul and taken the money from these groups. But most people don't even know to ask the question, right? They just think that all money is, is green and created equal. And they don't <laughs> do the homework to really look at who, what the ethos is of the individuals that are controlling the money and the influence. That's just really been a big focus of mine throughout my whole career. And um, it was really January 6th, you know, just to complete the circle on the story, where ahead of time I was warning all my friends that I knew in D.C. and people that had various organizations that were conservative-leaning. Uh, I said, look, you guys are going to be screwed. They're gonna, there's no way they're going to allow for a honest debate about the election integrity or lack thereof of the last, you know, the 2020 election. There's going to be a false flag set up to prevent that from happening. I don't know what it is, but something's going to happen. Uh, and in addition to that, they're going to start kicking everybody off online. They're going to use this as a means to say we're all, you know, right wing Nazis and we shouldn't exist online. And I knew that because I heard directly from the businesses that I knew in Silicon Valley and elsewhere that that's what was coming down the pipe and that they were being asked to remove this type of content. You know, First Amendment, Second Amendment content was no longer wanted uh, online. Mm. Conservative content was not wanted online, a way to control the narrative. And they had already been doing it uh, throughout, you know, the 2016 sure. election and post then, so... When all that happened, I, I just broke down in tears and was pleading with God. And I was like, Lord, I called this. I'm so tired of being right. I'm so tired of being right when it comes to these things, these 
you know, horrible things happening. I need to be on the front lines of this war and be in, in of service uh, to help build your kingdom. And the response that I just got back repeatedly was parallel infrastructure. We need to build a parallel infrastructure, a parallel economy, because we can't wait for the existing paradigm to crash and burn before we start to rebuild it. Uh, the odds of us owning, you know, pulling at Elon Musk and dropping $43 billion to acquire, you know, AT&T or Verizon or, you know, Facebook is just not going to happen. Um, it's not a reality. They're, they're not going to allow for constitutional conservatives to come in and acquire that type of a business. Uh, they, they will lose too much if that, if that happens. So we have to start building parallel economy, parallel infrastructure, and start getting networks of those who are mission aligned together and working together and playing together. And that's what, what I did. So I set forth in 2021 um, to really start building some companies and infrastructure companies. And Aaron Wagner, who you mentioned earlier, uh, was my right-hand man at my company. I ran a data center infrastructure consulting firm working with buyers, sellers, and investors in the data center marketplace. He was my COO. Uh, I got to him actually with, he was an Army Ranger about to get out of service. And there's a program where if you're in the military and you have a couple months left of service, you can actually apply to get an internship and try to get your foot in the door at a company somewhere so that you don't leave the military and are kind of left to try to figure it out um, right afterwards. And so uh, through a family friend of ours, we got connected and I brought him on uh as you know, just through an internship, and then he just proved himself to be a great asset to the business and became a very close personal friend and became my right hand man and COO of my business. And then when we started uh, the next venture, he became the CEO of that next venture. Our guest today on Semper the Truth, Sean Patrick Terrio. And I know that there's a lot of interest for those that are listening. Uh, we're going to get into this. Uh, well, uh, my next question is, what is a data center and why does that matter? Yeah, so data centers are, are really cool. They're kind of like this hybrid between real estate and technology and thermodynamics and power. Uh, but they're essentially large warehouse, like massive warehouse buildings that are anywhere from, you know, 10,000 square feet to literally millions of square feet. Uh, they exist all over the country. Most people don't realize that they're nearly everywhere. Uh, and they store all the servers, switches, and routers that run the digital world. So when people talk about cloud, you know, your, your Gmail account or your um, any email account that's not running on a server that you own and control is sitting in the cloud somewhere that someone else owns that infrastructure. So they own those servers. Uh, so in these data centers, you have lots of servers that are really just mini heaters at the end of the day, which requires a lot of cooling infrastructures. So you have some very interesting and um, pretty cool cooling crack units and cray units, uh, cold room air conditioning handlers and uh, just air conditioners at the end of the day that are cooling these devices and then they're also designed to never lose power so they've got big diesel generators and battery backup systems and all kinds of fun infrastructure tied to it so that they never go down uh, and depending on your business will depend on how much you're willing to spend to basically ensure that your data never loses connectivity and never goes down so if you're you know a bank for example 
and you don't want to lose any transactions going through because you lose a lot of money, you're obviously willing to spend more money to make sure that your infrastructure never goes down. So these data centers exist everywhere, all over the world. Uh, there's more and more being built every day, as you can imagine, as we the, the brave new digital world that we live in these days continues to expand and grow. Uh, but that's you know the short version of what these what these data centers are. But I've I've been in that industry for a very long time now. I literally wrote a book about the industry <laughs> called the Data Center Collocation Industry Playbook. I sold thousands of copies and traveled the world training executives about the industry um, who are working in the industry so that they can make sense of what these assets are, why they are or are not um, useful for certain types of customers. Uh, and helping a lot of the capital that's flooding into that marketplace because it is real estate. You know, these assets have a, have a high value. Um, and they're in various stages of, you know, seed stage investment to sustainable built facilities that are cranking out a ton of net operating income. So you have different types of investors that are interested in these assets at different levels. So that's the world that I've been playing in and trying to connect with more and more the owners of these assets, these real estate assets, who are you know conservative Christian constitutionalists, which if anyone's listening right now, I would love to talk to you um, about how I can get you connected to a network of both capital and other providers, both hosting companies and data center owner operators that are of, on the same mission as us right now. But that's my, my quasi-short version of uh, what a data center is. Now, Sean Patrick uh, Terrio from Mark37.com is our guest on Set Up for the Truth. And uh, I, I can tell that a lot of folks, this is what we're, uh, we're, we're listening for, is how does big tech track us and spy on us? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, so most people are either oblivious to it or um, I truly believe that they're suffering from Stockholm Syndrome, which is where you, you kind of fall in love with your your captor, Right. Uh, you, you get kidnapped, and over time, you no longer view the person who's enslaving you as the enslaver. They become, you know, someone that you feel like you can't live without, right? Um, so they track you in so many different ways, both through the applications that you download onto the device, which when you download an application and you're basically downloading software onto your device that gives that software access and uh, the ability to have visibility into a lot of different things that are going on within your device. Uh, so there's the app layer, but there's also the operating system layer. So if Google or Apple or Microsoft own your operating system and control your operating system, they have the ability to access what you can access on that device. So they can see what you see. They know your GPS coordinates. They know your IP address for that device or your laptop. They know the different applications that you're using. And the nature of how Google and Apple and Microsoft work is you're in their ecosystem. So everything that you do has to clear through their ecosystem. So they have full access to everything that you do. And then they take that data and they sell it to governments, to third-party private businesses, to other governments, and that's how they make so much of their money. They sell it to advertisers. So when you're using, for example, Google Maps or, you know, whatever the, the Apple equivalent is, and you put in an address and you're on route 
and you start getting ads for things, mm-hmm. it's because that all that data is being fed into a centralized server that is run by Google, run by Apple and or Microsoft if you're using Bing, so that they can then feed you targeted ads. And it's no different than, you know, nearly everybody now has a occurrence where they've had a conversation with someone about something. And then they started to get ads for it. They're like, how the heck did that happen? Everybody knows. Like, I'm sure everybody's experienced that by now. I think pe- people are starting right. to really catch on with that. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, how the heck is that happening? It's like, well, in your user agreement, your terms of service user agreement, which you didn't probably read, you just clicked on it and said, yeah, right, sure, whatever, you know, just get me access to it. You gave free reign access to that type of uh, tracking on the device. So Google is tracking that information, and they're selling it to advertisers. So when you mention something like, we really need to buy a new home, those keywords get tracked, and then they say to the the marketplace, hey, who's interested in selling to this demographic? Because they have a full profile on who you are, your age, how much income you make, where you live, where you've lived, the types of products you buy. Uh, you know, the, the trigger words that are used that you've, you know, been um, uh, through algorithm, algorithms, they know if you're on social media on a regular basis, they know what you'll respond to are so you, that they can very quickly and easily target you to try to sell you more stuff because that's how they make money or to make you stay longer on different social media sites or different applications because that's the other thing that people don't quite realize is Many of the conversations and arguments that people get into online are literally with robots, with AI robots. <laughs> and they're, not, they're designed to trigger you, to say certain things to trigger you, so that you spend more time on the website. And by proxy, you spending more time allows them to feed you more ads Correct. and more money. Yeah, it's all about impressions. The longer you're there, the more you're going to hear the impressions or see the right. impressions. And, of course, right. you could be watching your favorite video clip from... Uh, Star Trek 20 years ago, but it's going to interrupt with an advertisement. Right. So so the key and the crux of this is you need to get Google, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon out of the core operating system layer of the devices that you use. And that is possible, and we will uh, get into that in a little bit here. Sean Patrick Perio is our guest on Setup of the Truth. We've got about six minutes till the uh, break here, Sean. Uh, Now, our government... Yeah. How does our government track us and spy on us? They are tracking well, us. Yeah, most definitely, because they're directly, I mean, as we've learned through the Twitter files and through a lot of the congressional hearings, you know, people are starting to wake up to the reality that there's a direct line uh, between the government and these different uh, technology companies. So whether it's Google, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Amazon, Microsoft, there's direct line access and there has been with many of these technology companies like Google and Apple and Microsoft and Intel and AMD and, and others, there has been a direct line access between these organizations for a very long time. And in fact, if you remember, you know, the Microsoft antitrust uh, case way back when, a big piece of that in the negotiations was the government coming to Microsoft and seeing the the opportunity that they had to build backdoor access into this operating system so that as this operating system windows is shipped out to other governments and companies, 
our own three-letter agencies would have the ability to see what's going on inside those governments and companies. And this is nothing new. You know, the Israelis have been doing this for a very long time. The Russians have been. The Chinese most definitely have been. Mm -hmm. North Korea definitely has been. All of these different nation-state actors uh, and private companies build this type of access into a lot of their technology, quote-unquote, for national security purposes, right? Correct. So when you realize that most of all of these technologies and tools have a direct access into our three-letter agencies, intelligence agencies, under the guise of national security, which was made legal by the Patriot correct, Act after correct. 9-11, right. Right? you start to realize, holy crap, They've, our government has had access seemingly since day one, right? Isn't that interesting? Back in, after 9-11, when they were talking about the Patriot Act, it was like, yes, in order for this, it's almost like for our own good, if we w- want to make sure this never happens again, we're going to have to start doing surveillance. It's the only way right. that we can protect you. And we said, please do. Right. Yes. Yeah. Please take take it's- everything. Let me give you. Oh, but we're going to put some guidelines around, you know, the the warrants that are needed before, you know, how, how has that worked out over the last, you know, 20 years? Um, you know, how, how, uh, how good has our government been at actually following those protocol that they're supposed to follow before they can just start spying on U.S. citizens? And we've learned over the years that they really just don't give a care about any of it. They're going to do what they're going to do and then ask for, you know, hope they don't get caught. And if they do get caught, say, you know, this was a one-time incident and it will never happen again. And we're going to put even more process and procedure in place to ensure it never happens again. And yet it continues to happen. So. When you're on social media, Sean, uh, are you seeing this stuff being exposed on certain platforms? Exposed how? I, I'm going like, because the things that you're saying... Uh, I, I know about just from uh, certain, especially like on True Social, maybe not on Facebook as much or Twitter, but it's it's uh, things that folks are waking up to uh, that you've been yeah. saying for years. I mean, they're getting bits and pieces of it. But like you said, uh, what's going on in, in Congress right now and, and these these hearings are talking about this. The Twitter files, if you don't know what he's talking about, I got a couple of minutes here. You want to kind of basically uh, tell us what the Twitter files were, because that exposed a lot. Yeah. So when Elon took over uh, Twitter, he, and, you know, I'm still on the fence about where Elon stands, uh, but, you know, God uses all people for his own purposes. So to some degree, uh, I am very happy about the fact that he, Elon has exposed the fact that our government uh, and, and what the Twitter files are, are literally the documentation of how our government has been in bed with Twitter and other social media companies making requests about who should be censored, who should be canceled, what words, keywords, phrases uh, should be uh, restricted, throttled, whatever it might be. And it is interesting that there still are some people who are completely oblivious to that right. happening in that reality. Um, and I could, I could talk for days on that topic. Uh, but, you know, the, the algorithms and the, the tools that they use are very sophisticated, uh, and they are very real, and they're 
that may make it seem, you know, like you were talking about throttling on Facebook, you know, because of the nature of the content that you have and share, you most definitely are being throttled, which means the exposure that people have to your posts. They may or may not even see the post, even though they're following you. Um, they may prevent the ability for people to, you know, repost or reshare. And if you do reshare it, you might see that you reshared it, but no one else will see it on your timeline. Uh, Our guest today on Stand for the Truth, Sean Patrick Terrio from Mark37.com. We're going to have to take a break here. And I know it's a lot to take in, especially uh, to our Center for the Truth audience. Don't talk too much about it. And uh, we'll continue that in just a little bit. If you have any feedback for us, comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Or you can also weigh in on uh, Facebook, StandUpWI. More with Sean Patrick Terrio from Mark37.com coming up. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com I'm Crash Connell. Our guest today live with us is Sean Patrick Terrio from Mark37.com. And uh, we've covered a lot so far. Hope. What is hope? What are we going to do with this? You're standing there looking at your phone and you're going, all I want to do is just FaceTime with my grandkids. What's going on here? Well, there are some solutions here, and this is why we wanted to share with Sean Patrick Terrio. Um, how easy is, it, e- easy is it to switch the phone that I'm using now to a ghost phone, one of your ghost phones? It's what, actually really easy. Should we talk uh, about what that. a ghost phone is? What do you want? How do we do this? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So um, the phone is it, the key is open source software. So free and open source software, the acronym is FOSS, F-O-S-S, free and open source software, has been around for decades. It's not a new thing. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, how have I never heard of this? Well, it's because we don't have billions of dollars worth of budget to promote something that is free and open source software um, that most technology companies and by proxy our government don't want people to know about, right? So that's suppressed. As we we're talking about big things being suppressed and um, algorithms being used to have information not in front of the public. It's, it's very much the case when it comes to open source software. So the key is open source software. And what we do is we take devices. Uh, we use refurbished mint condition devices, whether they're laptops or phones. And we strip everything uh, off that is Google, Apple, or Microsoft. And we load it with open source operating systems that were designed at their nucleus for privacy and security. And so people then say, well, how about the apps? Well, the apps I'm using work on these phones. Most apps will work on those phones so long as they don't require to have Google Play services running on the back end or Apple services running on the back end or Microsoft services running on the back end. And even if there are apps that require those, 99 times out of 100, we can find an open source alternative or an alternative that doesn't rely on or require Google, Apple, or Microsoft. So that's kind of the key to the whole whole piece of this equation. And the, the hope and the good news is actually that the community of people using this type of software and these operating systems is skyrocketing, absolutely skyrocketing. So uh, Brave Browser, for example, is I like to point people to Brave because Brave is a 
browser that allows you to search the internet. So it controls your experience when you're online. The usage of Brave over the last couple years alone has been absolutely going bonkers. I think they're close to over 100 million uh, instances, if not more than that, currently this year. They were at 50 million at the end of 2021. So they're they're and they've been doubling, at least doubling year over year. So they're they're probably well over 100 million right now. I'm waiting for the new report for them to launch. Uh, the other thing, as it relates to Linux, so Linux is an open source operating system for laptops and desktops. The market share of people using Linux is well over 3% globally. So 3% of people using operating systems for laptops and desktops are using Linux. It was at 1% all of two and a half years ago. So that is also skyrocketing as well. So the news is getting out there. People are starting to share it. And the other key thing is a lot of these operating systems are becoming very, very stable and reliable such that, you know, my dad, who's technically illiterate, can pick up a device and use it and not have issues. Or if he does have issues, they're, you know, easily solved. And many IT people listening will understand by, by simply restarting the device, you know, re- <laughs> rebooting it. When in doubt, first thing you should do is restart the device. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so th- that's the hope, right, is we see more and more usage, which allows people to literally pull themselves out of the matrix so that these big tech companies and our government are not getting our data on a regular basis. They're not getting your GPS. They're not getting your demographics. They're not getting what you're buying online. They're not getting all of this information, which they use to create profiles about you, which they then sell on the open market. So that's a great way for us to use our uh, dollars as ammo in this war that we're in to prevent our government and big tech from leveraging that information and our money to further enslave us in the process. Now, you're, uh, Sean Patrick Terrio is our guest on Sound for the Truth. You said Matrix. That's, that's a movie from the, two, the movie series from the early 2000s where uh, it's science fiction where AI technology basically was running the planet. And so you hear people say, uh, get out of the matrix, and we sound foolish because they're going, oh, my goodness, it's a movie. It was a movie. That's not real. Uh, can you give a short version of what you mean by get out of the matrix? Yeah, so it's, it's a system that is designed to keep you distracted and enslaved so that it can extract from you your time and your energy and your dollars. So the, the matrix, you know, people are plugged in uh, to this massive mesh network and the, you know, the machines are literally extracting the energy from your body to power Correct. everything going on. That's because the movie, they've, yeah. They've destroyed the sun, so they need an alternative energy source, and so they're, they're pulling it from human bodies. And in the process of doing so, they plug you into this virtual uh, reality world of which you're you're participating in and you can't tell that, you know, it's not real, right? So as you think about it, that's really partly what most people exist in today. You know, we're, we're playing on a monopoly board, for example, that has already, all the properties have already, already been bought on the board. So every day, all we're doing is paying taxes <laughs> to those who own the board. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. And, and there's no way to win the game. Like there's no way to win when everyone else already, so our hope is just to get back to free parking again or to get back to go again so we can get our next paycheck 
so that we can then go around the board again and just dole out our money in taxes to all the different people that we owe money to for taxes. So as a means to escape the matrix, you just have to start figuring out how do I live a more sovereign lifestyle where I can go day to day and not have to participate on a regular basis with this matrix. And there's so many different facets facets of this, whether it's health and wellness or it's homesteading or homeschooling or technology. Um, so again, that, that's really where my focus is these days is helping to educate people on how they can live a more sovereign lifestyle and escape this, this matrix that was designed to keep us enslaved and without power. Um, yeah, the uh, one world government, one world system, as we know in the book of Revelation and Daniel, it, it's a real thing. And uh, we've had some interesting conversations about that. We're talking about the, a, a ghost phone, which is your, your phone and all the available apps. But you also uh, uh, have made a ghost laptop. Um, yeah, the key thing is it's all open source, right? So even with our phones, we try to educate and train people on how they can do this themselves. You don't need to buy this thing from us. You know, for, I truly believe that the future is open source and knowledge needs to be transferred to as many people as possible so that they can take it and run with it on their own. So whether it's the phone or the laptop, anyone who wants to really spend some time to learn how to install these things, they can do it on their own. And we have resources that we share with people that point them to where they can go to do this stuff on their own. For those who don't, have that uh, technical acumen or the time, then we have the ability for you to just buy it from us, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, we have an atmospheric water generation system that we're going to be launching here pretty soon that we're super excited about it. It literally pulls water out of the air, no different than a dehumidifier, and then it filters that water. So you can connect that to a solar power system, and you can be off the grid for your water production needs. This is what our military uses when they go into the deserts. This is what various Native American tribes use here in the United States to get water. Um, but that type of concept is we want to take that knowledge of how to create these systems, decentralize it and open source it so anybody can use it. I'm not going to go out and make my own atmospheric water generation system because I'm focused elsewhere. So I'd rather just buy that product from someone, but I appreciate the companies and the people who are focused on decentralizing and open sourcing that knowledge that we can all share. I truly believe that's where we're headed as a species, where this information and knowledge is going to be decentralized and shared and open source. Uh, and it's already starting to happen. So from a technology perspective, whether it's laptops or phones or the applications we use, all of this stuff is open source so you can figure out how to do it your own. Again, Linux is nothing new. It's nothing novel. Right. It's been around for decades. So anyone can learn how to do it themselves. But if you don't have that technical acumen and the time and expertise, we're more than happy to help set you up and get you pointed in the right direction. So open source is the future. And the problem with the ecosystems that you were talking about, those are, I guess, the lack of a better word, just for the people that are learning this for the first time, proprietary or closed source. And why is that the issue? Why is that a problem? Yeah, so that's a huge problem. And I like to use the use case of, you know, free energy systems. You know, Tesla, for example, created a handful of very unique, interesting technologies that have been buried. There's been dozens, if not hundreds, of scientists and engineers over the years who have created technologies that will allow cars to run on water or mm-hmm. to um, allow all kinds of very cool, interesting things from a health modality perspective. But big companies come in 
and they say, well, we want to acquire this from you for X amount of dollars. And then they take that technology and they bury it. Or if the person refuses to sell, somehow that person ends up, you know, disappeared or just happens to have been hit by a car or has a heart attack, right? And then when that happens, that technology disappears, right? So the key thing to open source as it relates to these what we call uh, game-changing technologies that will move the needle for our species and humanity, they need to be open source so that no one person due to greed or ignorance can be removed from the equation and by proxy the technology and these modalities then disappear, right? Sean Patrick Terrio is our guest today on Stand Up For The Truth, and we've been talking about uh, the technology that is available when we're looking for answers. Is there any hope we can survive what's coming, considering how far gone this system already is? We know the Bible talks about the one-world system that is coming in the book of Revelation, and so it seems like what we're doing is just trying to buy more time to avoid the inevitable. I don't wake up every day with a defeatist mentality, because if I did, then there'd be no reason why to wake up, right? There'd be no reason why to participate. And people say to me, you know, aren't you afraid that big tech is going to come after you via lawfare or whatever? Uh, And I say, look, I fear more waking up every day and not doing God's will and facing my creator, who has made very explicit instructions in my life, which I can discern because I'm in the gospel, and I'm spending time listening to his voice, doing doing what I know he has tasked me to accomplish while I'm here on this earth. And I think that that is very key for people. Those who live in a defeatist mentality and throw their hands up and say, "Well, I'm just going to go bury myself in a bunker. Uh, there's no there's no point, right?" I don't believe that they're truly listening to God's voice. Is God wants us active participants right now? in the world and he is separating the wheat from the chaff and he's calling people to step out on faith and that's the whole reason why we actually called our business mark 3 7 because if you read the scripture mark 3 7 it's where christ leaves the city because the herodites and the pharisees uh and so he goes down to the sea and it says the multitudes followed him left what they were doing and followed him to the sea from all over, and it lists you know, the various different regions that people left from. And I think we are in that point right now, where people are being called to step out of this matrix that we were just talking about, out of the comfort and convenience that they've been living in, and are being forced to step out on faith. And as an entrepreneur, since a very young age, I can tell you, for me, I've had to train myself to listen to the voice of God, and to get comfortable living in that uncomfortable state of not knowing where the next paycheck is going to come from, how God is going to solve and resolve certain issues that pop up in my life. But it has forced me to be a warrior on the front lines of this battle who now operates unafraid of what is going to come at me because I know God is going to provide. And I know he's going to help me and my family get to that next stage, wherever that is. And it's not easy. It's not an easy of comfort. And, you know, some of us jokingly say to ourselves, you know, as when we talk to each other, we say, how's your persecution going today? Yeah. Because it's literally, we are called to be saints, are we not? 
We are called. And we are, saints. yes, we are saints. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I've looked at the lives of the saints. I've read the lives of the saints. They did not live comfortable, convenient lives of excess. They lived very uncomfortable lives, preaching the gospel and being persecuted on a regular basis. And so I tell people, if you're not being persecuted in some way, shape, or form right now, you're probably not doing something right. You're probably not on the front lines of this battle and this war. And people have every excuse six ways from Sunday as to why they can't. Well, I've got a mortgage. I've got kids in college. I've got this. I've got that. I've got... For me, it's all bogus. And all it tells me is that they don't have the faith, the trust, that God is going to provide. And so all I can say is if you're spending time in the Word, and you're spending time with Christ, and you're listening to His voice and asking God for His voice, and He's telling you to do something, you do it. We need you doing it. We need more people stepping out on faith, acting on faith, working in the world today so desperately now more than you know any other time over the last hundred years. We need people now on the front lines, because everything is at stake right now. So I think that's that's my message and response. I don't want to trigger you, so please be calm. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you a question. Sean Patrick Terrio on Set Up for the Truth, because I know you've heard it before. Yeah. How do you respond to this? All right. Be calm. I'm a Christian. I don't believe in privacy. God knows and sees everything. He's completely in control. I don't know why I need all of this. I have nothing to hide. I know you've heard it before. Your response is, I've got nothing to hide. Let them spy on me. I don't care. Yeah, I hear that often. You're like, well, I, I like having conversations with the FBI agent who I know is listening in on my on my calls, all my calls. For me, that's ridiculous. Well, then why don't you go shop at Walmart every day? Why don't you go eat at McDonald's every day? Why don't you go work with all these companies that we know are evil. They're evil companies, right? Microsoft, Apple, Google, Facebook, these are evil companies. At their core, they are evil companies. They say, you know, Google's mantra was, we will do no evil, right? Well, literally 90% of their income was coming from the adult entertainment industry, right? So these are evil companies. And if you're, what you're saying is, I'm willing, I'm going to willingly and wantingly give my data, which is my money, because they're going to make money off of my data, and my money to companies that are going to use my money to further enslave me and the rest of humanity. So it, it is a defeatist mentality to say, well, nothing's private, nothing's secure, they're going to see everything and anything. And I would say that is the case for some circumstances. 99% of humanity does not need to be afraid that our NSA is going to use some crazy encryption service to digest and track all of their conversations and all of their information and whatnot, because you're a non-threat to them. You're a non-actor for them. They target very specific people, very specific individuals. That's who the people that they care about that they're going to go after and try to get all this information from. But any, it doesn't even matter if you're pulling yourself out of this matrix, then you're no longer participating. You're no longer giving them your data. You're no longer giving them, at the end of the day, money. And it's the money that they make off of you 
by your compliance and usage of these devices and applications that gives them strength and power to spend. And let me just give you this stat real quick. Facebook, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon collectively make over $1 trillion a year. $1 trillion annually. And they spend billions annually on candidates and causes and PACs to further enslave us. We have a, all of us has the ability to cut off that siphon of that trillion dollar money so that they can spend, have to spend less and less every year on that, which is literally keeping us further enslaved. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your children, do it for your grandchildren, do it for your friends, do it for your family. But we have the ability to vote with our dollars. And this is one of the most important ways to do it. So if people are going to say, well, let's boycott Ben and Jerry's, let's boycott Anheuser-Busch, let's boycott Target, let's boycott all these companies. Yes, amen, hallelujah, let's boycott them. But the technology companies collectively spend exponentially more to enslave you and are exponentially more woke and devastating to us living free and sovereign lives, being able to preach the gospel in a free and open society. And yet they're completely ignored. Like, where's the boycott big tech campaigns? I've been trying fervently, and there's a handful of people now who are starting to pick it up, but fervently to get some of the loud voices like Mike Lindell, like General Flynn, like some of these people who have big voices that people know and hear and Jack Posobiec, and yet they're all about boycotting Anheuser-Busch, but why are they not boycotting big tech when they are a bigger threat? Either they don't understand, or they do understand and they're remaining silent, but why? It makes no sense to me. makes no sense to me. We've got about seven minutes left till we go to till, till we wrap it up here. Sean Patrick Terrio, Mark37.com is our guest. And it sounds like big tech, we're, we, we are, we're, we're trying to fight the causes, but it looks like big tech, I'm sorry, these, um, these effects, but it looks like big tech is the cause, is the head of the snake. Yeah, they are most definitely one of the heads of the snake, but you have to view them as like, they're really the PR marketing department for this globalist, you know, Luciferian, uh, agenda communist luciferian agenda around the world so whether these companies make money for them or not they're not too concerned like hollywood right whether hollywood makes money or not they're not too concerned about because it's the pr department and the marketing department for the larger agenda does that make sense of course now how safe and secure because we only got a few minutes here i want to make sure we cover some more stuff here how safe and secure can we really get sean patrick so your digital security is no different than your physical security. You can learn jujitsu. You can learn how to use a firearm. You can bury yourself in a bunker with turret gunners outside and a SWAT team to protect you. But if someone really wants you dead, they're going to fly over you and drop a bunker buster or shoot, you know, laser beams at you. Uh, they'll be able to get you. So you just have to realize that digital privacy and security is totally possible and plausible. You can do some basic, simple things like turn your lights on outside your house at night, lock your doors, learn how to use a firearm. Don't walk around the street flashing money and telling people that you're unarmed and please rob me, right? And that's unfortunately what most people are doing by walking around with Google, Microsoft, Amazon devices and Apple devices. They have, but they have no clue because it's in the ether. It's like not tangible and real to them. They're not getting punched in their face, but they're digitally getting processed. So by, by stripping these core big tech companies out of your life, you are taking the basic 
precautions for your digital security, which is, like I said, no different than just learning some basic self-defense, turning your lights on outside, locking your doors, right? But no one's really teaching people this. They say, oh, you know, I'm using Verizon or Google's, you know, anti-spyware stuff, so I'm good, right? That's like, you know, buying your security system from literally the the person that's trying to rob you. Um, so there's definitely steps that everyone should be taking to secure themselves and based on who you are, what you use technology for, uh, then there's different steps that you can take to get to the level of security and safety. But at the end of the day, we just need to get these companies out of our lives entirely for all the reasons I've already mentioned. Well, the things that uh, excite us here at Center for the Truth is there are resources. Uh, we purchased one of your uh, ghost phones. I just wanted to see what that was all about. I saw it uh, being talked about on True Social and uh, we so we have one of the and also the Faraday bags. I, let me see. We got a, we got about a minute here. Quickly, can you describe a Faraday bag? I think it's fascinating. Yeah, a Faraday bag is effectively like a black hole for any technology device that you put it in, which means that nothing can no no um, emissions, no uh, frequencies can reach or get pushed out from that device. You put it in, and it literally disappears from the network. It disappears from everything. Uh, when you pull your phone back out, it's like no different than you turning your phone back on. And then all the things that you've missed, your your messages, your uh, emails, whatever, will then start to load back up onto it. Uh, but it's it, that's what it is. It serves as like a black hole for, for the tech that you put into it so that nothing can see it. Doesn't you can put your credit cards in it and your uh, your fob, your key, uh, car fobs, yeah. all of those yeah. things that most need frag, uh, radio frequencies. And, that's uh, part of the basic security. And very affordable. It's something that you can, uh, yeah, I keep it handy on my desk. I, I was demonstrating it to our other host, uh, Mary Danielson. She never heard of it. So it's a new thing. It's called a Faraday bag. And all of these things that we've been talking about uh, are at mark37.com. Mark37.com. I'm out of time, Sean Patrick Terrio. So you're going to have to come back on the show again. Because, Sean, you also do you travel around and do these boot camps. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. Thank you, Sean, yeah, for your really, time today. Yeah, appreciate that. I would go, go to events when you go to Mark37. You can check out the events or go to truthinlove.substack.com. You can learn more there. Sean Patrick Terrio, thank you so much. And we'll, we, we will get him back on the podcast. And so you want to keep it right here at standfortheTruth.com slash podcast on True Social. Also, standfortheTruth.com online. And we'll have the uh, podcast uploaded here shortly. Mary is back with us tomorrow morning on Stand Up for the Truth. <music>